All right, we are now live with Carlton Salters. Carlton, thanks for coming on today, man. Thanks for having me on, Patrick. So if you could give all of the listeners out there just a little bit of your background um, and kind of how you got to where you're at right now. Uh, you know, I played all three sports in high school. Um, I played, uh, ended up signing a football scholarship to the University of Arkansas. Uh, redshirted my first year. Actually walked onto the baseball team that first year. Ended up redshirting there as well. Uh, that following year, played football in the fall. I uh, didn't go play baseball because we switched uh, coaches. That's when Bobby Petrino came in. Uh, so I didn't play baseball anymore. Uh, finished up my four, four years of football there. Um, body was kind of beat up, so didn't really want to wholeheartedly pursue uh, professional football. Uh, ended up going to a couple baseball tryouts. Uh, ended up getting picked up by the Giants. You know, played about a year and a half with them. Then I played, you know, various independent ball for about seven years, uh, off and on. I worked at a facility in town, um, hanging out with, uh, sort of hanging around softball a little bit. Uh, ended up being the volunteer coach at Florida State. Uh, did two years there, and uh, ended up getting the job here at UTSA. What what different independent leagues did you play in? Oh, I played in the Frontier League. I played with the Gateway Grizzlies, and then I played in the American Association with Gary and, and Lincoln for a little bit. Okay, those are some good leagues. That's that's good baseball. Yeah, those were some leagues. They were some good baseball. Some good baseball. So why, like, how did you or why did you want to go into softball instead of baseball? Because that's usually, I mean, the track is going to be, you know, you, you're in baseball, you're going to stay in baseball. Uh, just I got around the game. I like the speed of the game. The game's played very fast. Uh. One thing that kind of kills me about baseball, and I understand the strategy behind it, but, you know, between the pitching changes, lineup matchups, like baseball games are like three and a half hours long. And then you add on top what time you have to get to the yard to, you know, get yourself ready, whether you're doing some extra work. And also I I had an understanding of all that stuff. And I was like, man, I just, and I don't know if I really want to do that. And then I I just ended up getting around softball and really liked the speed of the game, uh, really liked coaching you know, young ladies, I just started to enjoy it. I was like, I think I might want to try and do this. And that's kind of ended up here. Hmm. Well, how, well, how long is a softball game usually? I don't even actually know. Uh, so the beautiful thing about softball, it's starting to get more on television because the game fits inside that little two-hour window that ESPN mm. likes. So it's really easy if they have an open slot and they just need to kill time. They're like, oh, we can put softball on because it's usually two hours cut and dry and we can really count on that. Whereas, you know, you put a baseball game in there and it says, okay, we could go three hours. It could go four. We don't really know. So it's it kind of messes with the networks a little bit. And I think that's one reason why softball is starting to get a little bit more play on television because it fits nicely in a nice, clean time slot and they can just kind of rotate it in and out. Yeah, actually, I had no idea that it was only two hours. I never even really thought of that. That's a good point. How um, how have you evolved, like as a coach, from when you started till now? Oh man, that's we could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> um, you know, basically as a player, I had a lot of tools I could run. You know, I could I could hit for power. I could do some of those things that's your your normal what you're looking for in a normal corner outfielder. Um, I just couldn't make contact enough. Um, and, you know, as you know, the, the competition starts getting higher. Um, it's the ability to to stay consistent through coming to some of those ebbs and flows. And my ebbs were just too low. Like you can't in professional baseball, you know, you play every day. 
it's funny. Some of the girls, you know, they play on a weekend and they'll go like one for 12 and they'll be really upset. And I'll be like, dude, I went one for 12 before Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, what, I got, I got four more games this week and I'm one for 12. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, but uh, that's what would happen, man. I'd had, I've had, I'd have too many of those deals where it's, you know, one for 15, two for 20. And just in professional baseball, you can't do that and stay around for very long. How would you combat like the, the mental side of that? Uh, so what I did for myself is I had a really good friend of mine. Cause I, I was, I was just like any other baseball player. You, you know, you, Hey man, I'm over four and I got to play tomorrow and a dude tomorrow is really good. If I go over four tomorrow, man, I'm over eight. Like, I'm going back, you know, so I was just like everybody else. So what I had a good friend of mine said was try and break it up in 10 at-bats, 10 at-bats at a time. Try to go three for 10 with a couple walks. Like, and once you get done with those 10, flush those 10 at-bats and go to the next 10. Don't let them all come. And that really helped me, um, especially in, in 2015 where I got a lot of, chan- of chances to play a lot. Um, It helped me from, you know, kind of going off the rails and start looking at, man, I'm one for the month. You know, you you, do, you you don't think about it like that. You can kind of break it up, and it, it eases the mind a little bit. Yeah, I tell you what, hitting is, uh, man, it's tough. It is tough. To, uh, a pitcher. I mean, I was talking to Nunzio Signore the other day, and uh, you know, he's not he doesn't have a baseball background or anything, but he he's really started to dig deep uh, into pitching, and then he started to dig deep with these last couple years into hitting, and he was like, dude. Teaching hitting is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because there is no like biomechanic. Like, yeah, there's certain biomechanics, but like, right. there's not. I mean, there is, but there isn't. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just so many factors that go in because it's reactionary. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? I like, was what, telling. What, go I was ahead. telling my. I was telling some of my girls. Uh, I did a, a look at U.S. men's tennis, and at one point in time, Rafael Nadal was the best at winning the return games and he won 37% of the time. He was the best in the world and he won 37% of return games. And you're like, like <laughs> that puts it into perspective. Yeah. What, uh, so how, how does it work at your program right now from a hitting side? Like, what do you guys do? Like, why do you do it? That sort of a thing. Uh, so well, how it kind of works for us. I'm, uh, I'm my TPI certified. So when we come in, uh, we use, that first week we don't do anything for the girls because we're just trying to get them acclimated to being on campus where their classes are schedule all those types of things they got to pick up books and you know all those things that a student needs to do so that first week we'll take them through screens um i'll type it all up get it in the spreadsheet uh send it over to our strength coach uh at the same time they'll also go to our biomechanics lab and also get a biomechanics screen um and then uh you know our, our people over there will get the graphs and stuff nice and cleaned up, send it over to us. We'll look at it and then we'll in turn send it to the strength coach as well. And so once we get all that done, we do our, you know, we do our physical testing, you know, sprint test, strength test, just kind of see where everybody's at. And then at the end of that first week, we all sit down as a staff and review all the information together and uh, kind of silo kids in certain areas, whether uh, if there's a wholesale thing that like on our team, on a certain screen we failed like as a wholesale deal then we'll just add that into a part of the strength and conditioning programming uh if there's something that's more needs to be worked out from a stretching standpoint or a mobility warm-up standpoint we just add that into the warm-up uh so my first year our warm-up was typically like anybody else a lot of static 
stretching, a lot of standing still type of stuff. And after we did this, we revamped our entire stretching program. So our entire warm-up program, I should say. So it's a lot more, a lot more of that corrective things. We've just placed it into the actual warm-up. So they're doing it every day. And then uh, once we go through, once we go through the fall, we'll go back at the end of the fall and we have that week right before finals, which is dead week. Like, so that week before dead week, you can't do anything anyway. So we will go back and do the same thing. We'll rescreen, we'll rescan. Um, and then based off that information, we'll put together the, uh, the spring program because most programs now in softball are going to three games in three days. So usually that means you either leave Thursday night. So you have Friday, Saturday and come back Sunday. Um, and it's tough to continually get uh, those lists that you need to get in, especially toward the end of the year. So we what we what we're gonna do is we do some things either either at the hotel or something that we're gonna pack with us where we'll add that's that second scan, the results from that, we'll add it into a program that we have on the road so we can keep up with it. What I'm curious that biomechanics lab that they go to, what do they do there? Um, so basically it's, it's, we, uh, we have a Vicon system. Uh, we have two AMTI force plates. So what we do is the pitchers will throw off of them and the hitters will hit off of them. Uh, I mean, they can give you as much information or as little as we want. I think, you know, kind of having a lab and, and doing screens and stuff is like, that's the new thing to do. Kind of what people are trying to get after, uh, thing I would caution about it. So this is our fifth time being in there since I've been here. Uh, the first time we went in, we were there for four hours and we only got two images that we could use because neither side really knew what they were doing. Um, we didn't know how to collect the information and our people in the department had never done softball before. They had done some baseball arm testing, but had never done like full body softball stuff. So we had to learn you know, where to put the, where to put the connecting dots. How do we actually want to go about it? And now that we, we kind of streamline the process, it doesn't, it takes us probably, we do it over two days just so we don't overwhelm them, but it takes about an hour to do all the kids. Uh, we get in and get out. But again, we had to screw it up for like three years before we got to a point where both sides were, they understood what, how to make the graphs so we could read them pretty easily and what exactly we wanted to collect from the kids. So are those Bertex force plates that they use? No, no, no. They're AMTI. So Bertex is the big long one that's yeah. almost almost one plate. AMTIs are a little bit smaller, and you just kind of push them together. What do you What do you normally find on uh, those force plates? Ooh, we found out a lot of different things. Um, one of them, one of our pitchers two years ago, uh, we didn't. She what their end result was she would lose velocity about 50 pitches in and we had no idea why. Well, after going through there, what was happening was she had the stride length of a 10 year old, but what was happening was uh, her hips would never get turned in the drive phase. So they would always were facing forward. So, and she would try and turn really fast, like in the middle of the stride and the arm would always be thrown off time. So it was having a, fast effect of how her pitches were moving and we were able to figure that out once we got on, got on the force plates and figured out why the body was not turning and once we were able to get that corrected she kind of went back to when she was quote unquote fresh but she was always that fresh the body was just working like double what it needed to work to be able to pitch like she wanted to mm. that makes so that's sense one way that 
we've done some stuff. So I'll give you an example. Um, I had a hitter who, to the naked eye, uh, when she would hinge and move forward, would all at the end of the day would always come up out of it and push out of her leg. And it was like, okay, we know this is an issue. It's causing contact too far out in front. And so I would talk to her and she's like, I understand what you're saying. It's just hard for me to do. And I was like, okay, there's got to be a reason that it's hard. So when we tested her, if you would watch her scan before the front foot would hit, the back heel would come off off the ground. So the force on the back leg would disappear. But if you look at the results of her scan, the torso and the arm were working. It would go like, if I can remember correctly, it was like 400 and then it'd go like a thousand. Like the torso would have to produce a thousand by itself. And you're like, well, wait a minute. That's that's clearly not right. And then you start talking to her and I did the screen on her and she fails the deep squat test. And so she has almost had almost no dorsiflexion in the right leg. I said, have you, you know, have you had an ankle injury? She says, yeah, I've hurt my ankle before. I said, okay. I said, this is what I need you to do. So what happened? She's left-handed hitter. So when she were to move, when she were to move out, because the right leg would get really tight, the body is the ultimate compensator. So the body doesn't want to feel pain. So as she would start to move out and start to get that stretch, it would start to hurt. So to relieve the stress, mm. she comes up onto the toe, and now the body is not in pain anymore. But now we're also in a bad position to hit from. So what we had to do was get her to roll out her ankle or her, her calf and shin on the right leg to relax that some. So when she moved out, she wouldn't feel any pain. So the back heel could stay on the ground so she could get that transfer of energy that we're looking for. And once we were able to identify that, it got a lot better. And I'm sure you couldn't just see that from video. No, no. You what what you saw was she's pushing out of the leg. So contact is now way up out in front too far out in front we got to get her you know to the naked eye you say okay we got to get you to back up the ball a little bit okay but i can't okay well why can't you and then that's kind of lead that's what leads you down the trail of finding out what's actually the issue man that's uh that's a great example of of why that stuff can be important how many how many times did it take you to like dig deep and uh, I mean, you said it took you guys like three years, right, to finally like yeah. figure out what how to work all the tech and everything. Yeah, it took us about three years uh, to do to, to really get it where it was streamlined, and and it was something that was fast moving. The first two years, uh, we had it where it was applicable, but it wasn't very fast moving. It was like okay, we went and tested, and then like two months later we would get it because we were asking, they were sending us so much, and we weren't really using all of it. And so it was a more burdensome on their time. And they're like, okay, like, what exactly do you guys need? And we had to kind of do it like that because we didn't really know what we needed or what we wanted. And then once those first two times we're like, okay, we don't really need this. We like this. We like this. This works. Okay. We could go back to the Kinesis lab and say, okay, you guys can exonate this stuff. We only need this stuff. And then that sped that process up. So that's what took us the most time was trying to get, uh, what we needed so we could speed it up on their end, and then on our end we could get it to the kids or to whoever we needed to get it to so we could make it applicable. And it's – you guys must have been really early. I mean, really – you guys just must be really progressive because this this has been big like the past year, but to be doing this for several years now, I mean, uh, the staff there must be really ahead of the game. Yeah, we, we know we're, we're – you know, we're, we're a smaller mid-major. 
Um, so we've got to use every avenue that we can uh, if it's something that we can possibly do. Uh, so that's it kind of, you know, they, they say a lot of times a lot of the innovation stuff comes from smaller programs and it's because you have to. Like we can't outspend people. So we've got to try and we can find another way where there's something on campus or what have you that can help us. Like that's something that we have to explore if we want to be competitive here. What's the scholarship situation like in softball? Uh, so in, in division one softball, you get 12. So baseball is 11, seven in division one, fully funded division one, you get 12. Are you guys fully funded? Yes, we are fully funded. What's, uh, what's the recruiting like? Do you like that? Having a I travel? Do. I actually love recruiting. So before, <laughs> So before I was going to coach travel baseball, um, I was thinking about being a scout. So I see the eyes of the game through uh, a scouting perspective. So I actually love to recruit. Um, some people don't. I actually I like the idea of going out, finding someone who I think I can help or who would be a really good fit for our program. And maybe they might be someone who maybe is under the radar a little bit, but someone that you can take get them into I like the idea of taking you know 14 or 15 hitters and seeing what seeing what we can turn into how do you like I'm, I'm just trying to think of like time wise that's got to be I mean I could understand the summertime they're not you know you don't have to worry about your team practicing or playing games and so that's a big recruiting but like during the actual year which is several months how are you out on the road recruiting while also coaching the hitters too uh so uh, again, at a smaller school, you don't have, you know, three or four GAs, a volley, managers. Like, you you, you got to learn how to have a systems-type approach. And in order to do this, in order to do these things really well, all the tech, you know, different entities, other people helping you, you got to be willing to write the plan up and give them the plan and then trust the people to do the work. Like, you can't if you think you're going to be able to control every single you can't like you're going to have to be okay with like, okay, this is kind of how I want it done. But at the same time, you know, you're doing it kind of do it how you, how you see fit. And you got to be okay with that. And not a lot of people are okay with that because again, like your livelihood is on the line with this as well. But so you have to, have to give up something in order to get something and if you're not okay with giving something up, it's gonna be you're gonna you will run yourself ragged trying to take care of all of this stuff. So it really just comes down to you just gotta trust the players. Yeah. Trust the players, trust those that you've brought in to help you and just let and, and let them do their thing. How many days a week would you say or a month would you say you're traveling, doing recruiting? Uh, the summer's a lot more hectic hectic. The fall is not because we have a recruiting calendar. So in the fall uh, division ones can go only go out certain weekends and you can only be out Saturday and Sunday. So the fall is not as bad. Uh, during the summertime is where you get your four, five, six days where you're out. You're at one tournament for a vast amount of time. Uh, that's usually the summertime where it's a little bit more busy. The fall is more, more so, okay, I, I'm gone this weekend. I'm gone the next weekend. Some more, more so two day type things. Going, going kind of back into um, the hitting process now, I know you guys have a hit tracks, mm-hmm. and you've only had it for about a month, but it seems like you've already got a pretty good grasp on how to use it and implement it. Um, I guess if you just give everyone listening, like, 
there's a lot of people who have a hit tracks out there, facilities or whatnot, but they don't. They just kind of use it as an entertainment value. Right. How do you utilize hit tracks? We've had it. We've had it for a month, and we have not even opened the gaming module. I haven't even used it. <laughs> like, I haven't even looked inside the gaming module to know exactly how it works. I probably need to do that here in the next couple of days before we start doing some competition type stuff. But we've simply been in the training side of the equipment. Um, hit tracks is an unbelievable tool. It's I I was first introduced to it when it first kind of started coming out, and I was just like everyone else. Uh, it's a video game for the cage. It's cool. Probably best for northern type schools who can't hit outside. Southern schools don't need it. They just go hit on the field. Like I was one of those people. And now after having one, really getting to dive into it, I couldn't have been more completely wrong. Like it's not even close to it can be used for that, obviously, but it's not even close to that when you talk about how user friendly it is, um, the ability for it to sort things for you. You can send the email on a certain uh, if you're in a certain platform right there from the from the machine uh, the ability to sit down afterwards and really go through the information see where people are trending make sure that your programming is doing the kid a favor make sure that the kids are showing up and putting in the effort like it's it's ability to do all that stuff it's it's an unbelievable piece of equipment how do you uh, uh when, when your hitters are hitting off of it i mean is it off of you throwing or pretty hard or is it soft because i one of the things that i i one of my questions is kind of how does it translate right in a game setting where someone's you know throwing pretty hard like is the Uh, are they testing are you guys testing like that hard too yes so we do our we don't do our we did our initial first week testing phase we did it off of flips and then we turned the machine on just fastballs between 58 and 60 miles an hour just not very moving very much just wanted to see where you're at, see see how your current pattern's playing to velocity. And now we've got it where it moves. We're starting to move it around a little bit. We're introducing, you know, your constraints. Uh, and so, yeah, we test it off of either if we want regular batting practice or it's off the machine. Like, that's the only thing that it gets tested off of. Um, we want as game-like as possible and we will constrain them some in those game-like conditions, but we want the velocity as close to what you're going to see every every time you roll out there. How many swings will they take before? Uh, it depends on the programming of the day. Uh, if we're if we're switching if we're switching bats, um, if we're switching setups, just depends on on what the program is for the day. Usually, though, when we're running off the machine, I try to keep it at about thirty at bats. Because, you know, it keeps up with the at-bats, so, you know, 10 for 30. Like, I just I try to keep it at an even number like that so it's nice and clean for them uh, when the report comes out. Uh, that's And then we just kind of switch the implements around it as need be. Have you found that the players maybe are intimidated by some of the reports? You know, that some have uh, graphs and numbers. And now, they were, now, when we first started, they were. They didn't know. I don't, Coach Carl, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means. All right. <laughs> And now, but now there's you know about a month in, so now they're starting to understand a little more. They under they, a lot of them now, start to get okay. Like hitting the ball hard is good. Like I know <laughs> I know how hard I need to hit it. Oh man, I, hey man, I can get to sixty. If I can get to sixty seven, I can get to sixty eight. If I can get to sixty eight, I can get to seventy. Oh, I got to seventy. 
I want to get to 70 again. Like, so it's, it's kind of some of that starting to go on. Uh, some of the kids are starting to see from a competition standpoint for playing time, they're starting to see other people at their position. Oh, they can do this. Yeah, I better step. Like, it, it, so it's it's not, you don't have to say it, but you can kind of look at them and tell them, like, dang, so-and-so's hitting the ball kind of hard. Like, I better start trying to hit the ball hard, too. <laughs> so that, that, that helps a ton from that position. So uh, being able to have that. And we don't, it's not a thing where, we take a swing and everybody turns around and watches. We don't, we don't use it like that at all. It's they take a swing or they take their, their round. Um, and if they didn't feel something or they won't have a concern about a ball they hit, we may go back in that session and show that video and then be able to reiterate what we're working on on the side that day is for this reason, which is I probably already programmed, but at, unless they, unless we do it like that, they won't really see any of their information until everyone's done for the day. So it's not one of those things where you hit and stare at the screen and hit now we're not. We don't use it like that. Um, I saw on your Twitter that uh, the camera angle was behind the hitter. How does that? Uh-huh. I thought isn't that the hit tracks though? Like how does that work? The camera's behind. Well, with... the, no, no. The camera simply you simply place the camera in a normal tripod and then you put the tripod wherever you want. Oh, okay, okay. So. Um, trying to figure out a way so actually in that video um our head coach because i couldn't get the table inside of the cage our head coach was standing there holding the tripod above her head because i was trying <laughs> to show her i was trying to show her her shoulders were coming off line and so i was like well i can't i can but i can't from the side i was like i need an overhead shot but i couldn't get the table inside the cage so our head coach was standing there with the tripod above her head so that's kind of how and i've done that with my gopro before um, I can take my GoPro and clip it on the screen behind them. And I can get all that overhead stuff. But again, it's a little bit easier when it, the video goes right to the hit tracks. You can put the numbers right next to it and all that stuff. So we got to figure. I'm going to figure out a way to get it to where I can clip it above a screen or something, so we can get that view a little bit more. For a, for a regular practice for your players, do they have? Uh, are there certain drills that they need to do, or is it more? Like, is it different for each day? Like, how do you organize the practice? Uh, it's usually different. It's usually different for each player, and then it's different each day. Uh, we won't move on until you got a pretty good grasp of whatever it is I've been asking you to do. Um, so each one of them will hit differently off the machine. Their setup may be different. And then in the other cage, as well as outside, uh, the individual things that maybe they may be working on may be different. Now there may be a couple of them that are in the same group doing the same stuff, but for each person it's a little bit different. I uh, this year what I did was I divided them into a blocked and random group, uh, and that's helped a lot. So the blocked group is kind of newcomers, uh, people that are still working through some things. Um, they've come along on the machine at a little bit slower pace than those that are in the random group. They kind of have their pattern already built understand some things that they need to do. Um, that's helped us out a lot this year. Whereas last year, I just kind of had everybody, you had your individual things on the side, but as far as just hitting in the cage, you did as everybody else. And it kind of got a little, I think it got a little scattered at times last year. So I, I needed to do a better job of dividing that up a little bit more. Oh, is a lot of that stuff off the tee? No. Uh, it Well, it started that way, especially with the newcomers, because they had to just basically understand what the various constraints were. Like they even, you know, they don't know what 45 is. They don't know what blocked off is. So there's no reason to go, all right, we're going to go 45. Let's just start throwing balls that you figured out. 
know like for the first two weeks okay this is what 45 means this is what you should feel uh, this is what closed off means this is what one move means this is what you should feel okay i understand it and then we build up and start going to flips and then off the machine do you rely on on some of the older players to help coach some of the younger ones just because you can't be in the same place i mean whatever it's just impossible absolutely so the the first year i was here they were already practicing uh when i started so it was just me and I had no cameras. I had, I didn't have, all I had was my voice and some of my images from my Google drive that I made. And that was it. So it was, man, it was tough. It was really tough. I don't even know if I'd ever do it like that again. But uh, the first year we had that. And then the next year there was a few of them that understood. So they were able to teach them the freshmen. And then this year I've got more of them that understand and they're able to help each other out um, a lot more, especially if they have some similar issues. Uh, it was it was interesting. We were talking about this uh, last week, whereas we were using the machine and some of them, you know, some of the younger ones are trying to get used to it. And they're still kind of working down and across a little bit. And some of the older ones are understanding how to get behind the ball. And it used to be the conversation was, oh, it's OK, like you'll get it. And now, like some of my older ones are like, nope, like, dude, come on, you got to get behind the ball. Like you ain't going to hit it. Like You're just not going to hit it. It's going to keep hitting this net back here. So it's changed a little bit from like kind of like almost like false encouragement to like no this is what you got to do like if you want to hit it like you're gonna have to get in there but this is what you got to do so it's it's changing your culture a little bit how did you get how did you get the players to buy in initially well honestly my best player picked it up in eight days mm. that's really what happened uh so i had you know i had a, a girl here for two years she just graduated uh last year um we came in the the first day the first two weeks, I didn't let I didn't let them hit off the field that first year until a week before the game, because everybody was hitting the ball like sky high up in there, and they coach got to pop up, like I'm popping the ball up. I'm like, no, you're not. And so that first week, we hit on the field, and she hit eight of ten out, hit a couple balls off the building, and she had never done that before. And I had told her, um, you know, if you can get this, like you're gonna do some things that's that's gonna kind of shock you a little bit. And she came out the first weekend, and she hit seven. The first, the opening weekend, she hit Whoa. seven. Yeah, and then we went the next week. I'm sorry, the opening weekend she hit four. She hit four. She hit two on Saturday, two on Sunday, and then we went to the next tournament. And she hit three. So she had seven. She had seven in two weekends, and then the following weekend she hit three more. So she had twelve. She uh, she had ten. So at that point, uh, we were three weeks in, and she was third in the country in homers. And and three weeks in. So like everybody on our team is kind of like, uh, what's going on? And she had plenty of bat speed and she could hit before. It wasn't like she was a bad player. Like she had hit 11 home runs the year before. So it wasn't like it wasn't anything that wasn't in there. She was just getting to that swing more often. And then, you know, then she hits 12 and then it's 14 and it's 15. And then you're like, dude, she might get to 20. And then she gets ends up getting to 19. But wow. that I mean, I told her all the time, I says, I says, if you don't do what you did that first year, I says, I may not be here because no one else at that time was even interested in trying to get it. So after that year, then I had three or four more like, OK, like I'll try it. And then they got it. And then they started doing really well. Unfortunately, one of them got injured. She did a really good job, but she had never hit that that fall in the early spring. She had never, never hit the ball out of the ballpark. And we're going in inner squads and she's running everybody out of the park running everybody out and so everybody's looking around like okay like if she can do it 
and I've been here for four years with her, and she's never <laughs> missed before. And maybe, and and that's just kind of how. And then start getting some tech. So you know, that by that time we have started getting into the lab, and so you can see like your three D scan. Okay, I see what he's talking about, and that and that helped. But by that, but that first year, without a doubt, the first year is because my my best player hit nineteen. That's that's why. What I, like what did you see from her? Um, before you started making those changes and like what changes did, did you, um, so the first day, so I was, I came out to practice that first day and I wasn't allowed to coach cause I hadn't like gotten all my paperwork through yet. So I was just there observing and I remember sitting on the fence and I was just thinking to myself, I just need one. Cause again, we had like three weeks before we played. I'm like, I just need one. If I need one person here that has a chance to get it, we'll be okay. If I don't have anybody, like I really don't know what I'm going to do. And she came up and took BP and. I mean, she'd hit, she'd hook them foul, pull side, she'd flare them another way, and then she'd hit one off the building. You're like, that's it right there. And then she'd roll over a ball, flare a ball, and then she'd run another one off the building. You're like, okay, it's in there. It's just not very consistent. And her issue was she shifted really bad, so the arms had a tough time getting up. You know, the typical things that you usually see from a lot of am- a lot of a lot of hitters. And she came over. I says, listen, I says, I don't know you. You don't know me. We're going to have to get to know each other as the season goes on. I says, but if you can get what I'm asking you to do you'll, and you get off to a good start, you'll hit 20 home. You just kind of looked at me. It's like, I ain't never hit that many before in my life. I was like, I don't care what you did before I got here. If you can get it and you get off to a good start, you'll get to 20. So she came down the next day. We went down to the cage. We were down in the cage the next day. And she sat down next to me. She says, okay. She goes, what do I need to do to hit 20? I said, all right, this is what I'm do. I said, this is all I want you to do. I said, I want you to go in the cage over there. I says, I want you to cross your feet. I says, I want you to get your back hip to move your lead leg forward and figure out how to hit the ball. Because she was really stiff. Like she was really, if you, if you, I'm sure you've seen something. She was really stiff and didn't understand how to time. So she had to learn how to time. Uh, and so she starts doing it. And you see, she's like really stiff, she's trying to hold her hands up here and like it's not working. So you kind of see like, that tips kind of start to happen and things like that start to go. And she's one, I mean, she's one that she went home and she worked on it. Like she would go in the mirror and watch and try and figure out what I was asking to do. And she came back two weeks later, she came back and we were hitting outside and I told our head coach, I said, she's going to get it. I said, I don't know how quickly I said, but she's going to get it. And that opening day, she goes that opening day. First at bat, we have our, um, she's left-handed. Uh, we have our cages down the left field line. <laughs> she first at bat, she hits a ball off the cages in left field. Okay, good swing. She kind of she touches home plate. She kind of like looks at me coming back in the dugout, and I don't say anything. She goes to the next at bat. She goes dead center off the net, and then she comes back in the dugout. She's kind of got like the deer in the headlights look. Like what is going on? It's <laughs> like it's okay. Just keep playing. And then she comes out Sunday, and she goes right center, and then she goes grand slam. And then the next week during practice, she's like, what have you done to me? I'm like, nothing. I was like, I was like, I've just unlocked your athleticism that was always there. I was like, you could always do this. You just couldn't get to that swing all the time. And then we went to Lubbock, and she goes, she hits three left center, just tanks, left center. And, and at that point, she's like, okay. Like, she's like, I'm going to get to 20. I was like, you might. And then, But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, at some point, people ain't going to pitch to you no more. <laughs> You're gonna have so many. They're like, I'm not gonna keep pitching to you. So uh, she ended up. She, you know, there's some days where it's, the wind knocked down some balls, but she could have probably gotten to 23 or 24 if, if all things were equal. 
So, so you, you was, used more constraints. Did you? I feel like you did. Did you use more constraints with her to just to not I like did, give her I a bunch of verbal cues? Built, I did a bunch of constraints until she started to build a timing pattern, and then it was okay. This is what you're doing when you go well. This is what you're doing when you're not going so well. It started to become a little bit more personal after she had built that. And she so she would start those doing those constraints off the tee and then progress and. You, she started, she started off the tee and then she got to the ball, started moving and then she started to figure out and then she got to where she could do it off live arm because she had, it ended up, she ended up going from really no move at all to a bigger move, leg lift, barrel was tipping. So she had to learn how to sync all that stuff up. Mm, I never, I never told her, Hey, you should try this. It was cross your feet, get your back hip to move your lead leg forward and let's see what happens and it turned and all the stuff that you see from her now it came just from that wow that's pretty incredible yeah. well and actually a lot of the hitters that i have end up like that some very because it's just i'm just okay i'm just trying to time the ball up how do i time the ball up from this position and the moves i call it the moves become authentic instead of something you told somebody to do so they're trying to do something that may not be natural the, the movement just becomes natural, and it's just something that they end up doing. It's what I think happens a lot to big league hitters. While a lot of them can't really verbalize exactly what they do because it's just so easy and natural and smooth, they're like, I just, I don't know, it's just what I do, mm-hmm. and that's okay because I, if my hitters didn't know what the things were, they wouldn't be able to tell you either. Just like I don't know, it's just kind of, I'm, I'm, they'd be like, I'm trying to get the arms, and but all that, I don't know, it just kind of turns into it because they're just trying to time. Was that is that like the Babe Ruth drill? I think on your Google Drive, you yes, call it? yeah, it's the Babe Ruth drill. Yeah. Oh, uh, one other question. I uh, I know we were we talked about hit tracks earlier, but just I just thought of is some people will say since you're in a warm weathered state, right, in Texas and down south in general, why would I need a hit track if I can just go out on the field and just see where the balls are going? You can, and I, I would I wouldn't disagree with you with that statement. But I will say is what the hit tracks is able to do is be able to give you objective data to quantify. Like gotcha. it's easy for me to go out. Okay, let's take BP. Let's hit all the balls out. Okay, that's great. Is is that it? Like, what if I don't do that in the game? Like, where am I? How am I training? Am I just training in the cage to hit all the balls out? Am I training actual? Barrel, barrel contact, the ability to compress the ball, or I'm just going up here and let's just go up here and just slug all the time. So I, I like to have, obviously, you want to drive the ball. Driving the ball is better. But I also want complete hitters. So what does it mean, you know, when – what does it mean when I have to adjust to hit a ball the other way? What does it mean if I get beat and I got to flare a ball the other way? What does that look like? What What's my range? What's good for me? Like I found out, believe it or not, through hit tracks – um, that I've had some people trying to hit the ball too high for how hard they were hitting it. Mm. And so I would, I would be on a kid, hey, you got to get the ball up. Well, no, actually, they need to get it down. Like, they ain't hitting it hard enough to hit it that high. You need uh-huh. to have them get it down. It's like, okay, I need to change, I need to change what I'm doing. So I have some kids. I Some kids on my team think down. I got to keep down, keep the ball low, because that's the range within you hit the ball. If you try and hit it, you know, if you try and live 20 to 27, you're just going to fly out all the time. You don't hit it hard enough. You need to live a little bit lower, and that's okay. But it's helped me 
be able to get those kids to get the ball lower. It's also helped them when they hit. They start to understand the difference. Oh, I'm too uphill. I'm too uphill. I need to get downhill a little bit more. Okay, now I'm in the good range that I need to be in for me to have success. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah, no, I wasn't disagreeing. I just know like, I'm sure some people have that thought. So I just I'm, I'm glad you kind of spoke on that. Yeah. Um. Last question. What are your goals? Oh, man. Um, I'm really just a I'm just a person that I want everyone, whatever they're doing, to be the best version of themselves, whatever that means. Obviously, I coach softball. So obviously, I'm competitive. I want my team to be really good. I want to win. But at the same time, I want other players to do well because they only get four years at this. Maybe they get to play for the USA team and play for world championships. You know, maybe they get to play a little bit of time in the NPF. But for the most kids, the college is it. So you have your, you know, your little bit of travel ball you play and then your college and then you go out into the real world. So you only have a finite amount of time to play. And I just want all kids to have a chance to get good information, to get good coaching and to be whatever, how good they can be for them to go out and do that. There's, you know, to me, there's nothing better in a game, whether it's baseball or softball, where everyone has good information, everyone's getting good coaching, everyone's moving well, put it on the field and let's see what happens. Like, like the team that's really good, that's moving really well, and the team that's not moving real well and doing some things, gotta, like that's not, to me, that's not fun. Like I want where both sides are at their peak. And let's, let's put it out there and let's see what happens. That's good ball to me. Uh, you know, you've got people griping about baseball guys are hitting the ball in the air. Dudes are trying to throw the ball hard, breaking stuff like they're not locating all that, you know, all those conversations you hear all the time. And I'm like, dude, these guys are going up there with a plan of attack. And the dude on the mound is up to 100. Like, it doesn't get better than this. Yeah. Like, this is as good as it, like, not on the dude's 85 to 88. He's trying to trick you. Like, no, no, it's power on power. He's really good. He's really good. The dude's playing defense. Let's see what happens. Right. That's that's what's good and exciting to me. Yeah, and I think I mean one of the things that I I kind of think of when you say that is, you know, everyone says like people don't care about strikeouts right now. Like nobody cares. Like player like hitters don't care about strikeouts. Like I have a I have a hard time believing that there's a MLB player who strikes out and literally goes back to the dugout. And goes I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I they don't understand. You must understand how the business works because unless right. you have about a two hundred fifty million dollar deal, like someone's trying to take your spot. Right. So I mean, right. they're not I trying agree. to strike out. No, I agree. And with the advancements in player developments, a lot easier for people to identify. You know who might have a chance to do some good things. So like, I I don't like strikeouts either. Um, I think under certain contexts. In certain situations, they're not as bad as perceived, but just a bunch of strikeouts and a bunch of swinging and missing, like, no, that's that's never good. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially with two strikes, uh, you, you think a lot of time when people choke up and spread their feet apart and their athleticism goes away, and it kind of – that two-strike approach kind of hurts, probably causes more strikeouts than, than – Right. <laughs> The fear – the fear of – the fear, as you say, the fear of striking out. Right. It's something that's – that's kind of a thing, but I, I I enjoy the playoffs, man. That that last night, the Rays and I mean those. I mean every oh. guy out of ninety seven, you're like, dude, this is where like, like man, nobody wants to. Why this dude's throwing gas? Like, 
like the, it, when it when it goes that when it's you know when the guy's eighty five to ninety it's like uh, okay when the dude's ninety eight like all right man I gotta be like I gotta be at my best or I'm in trouble right I, I enjoy that 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 level of competition it's no different in softball where you get to the World Series and you know both pitchers are sixty eight sixty seven to seventy it's going up and down you're like oh man. This is good ball because you got to be on your game in order to get a swing off right here. You got to do some things well, or you're going back out. Like that's oh, I, I remember watching a uh, Washington this past year, and they had a girl on the mound, and she was throwing. I mean, just 72, 71. I was like, you've got to be kidding me from that distance. Like, how can you even hit that? How can you hit that? <laughs> you know what I'm a talking lot about? Of it's just yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. A lot of it is being able to pick the right area. It's no different in baseball. Being able to pick the right area, understand kind of the probabilities of where the ball's probably going to come, and you got to try and lay off the other stuff, and hopefully you get into a leverage count where you get a pitch there and get a swing off. Yeah. Carlton, really appreciate your time, man. I know you're busy yeah, this time of year, and it's been awesome. I appreciate you having me on.